Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Perviti. On today's episode, I am elated to be joined by the one and only Chris Towers, fantasy analyst at CBS Fantasy, who you can find on Twitter at CTowersCBS. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Chris. How was your week three? It was okay. Three weeks in, only 15 more to go. I've reached the point now. I know Scott Fish has talked about this a lot. I don't really look at my scores during games anymore because I just like, I, I just want to watch the games and I take my notes and all that stuff. Want to be able to watch them without like trying having to live and die with each play, you know? I totally, totally get that. Yeah. People ask me like, are you winning? Are you losing? And I'm like, I usually don't check until maybe like the games are not playing anymore. Like I yeah. may check be- like on Monday before the Monday night game to see like mm-hmm. kind of Monday night miracles I might need. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's too much stress to like, pay attention to my phone because also I'm just getting pings constantly from Yahoo or like yeah. whatever site you're on like telling me there's a touchdown and I'm like oh I'm also playing against them in another league and, so. and then once the actual playoffs come I do follow it yeah like and I, I just I'm a wreck <laughs> I'm just completely useless the entire day because I'm living and dying I can't I can't do that for 18 weeks I could do it for two maybe three weeks but my 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 mental, my mental state is too fragile to try to do that every week. <laughs> well, all right. Let us just hop right in because that kind of brings us into our first question. Um, first couple questions, rather. What year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? I believe the first, I'm in a league that's been running, I think since 2000 or 2001. So I think that's the when I started. I may have played a couple of free leagues, but this is one that my dad was in with his, uh, with, with our close family friends. My dad joined, he was like, Hey, Chris, you want to play? And I, I kind of just ran the team. He's not really a a sports guy. So, um, yeah, I think 2000, I didn't win for the first time until 2006 in that league. And then I didn't win again until 2020. So, (laughs) you know, that's, 
you always have that. There's always like one league or in my case two that no matter how good your team is, you just can't seem to actually win the championship. The <laughs> second longest running league I've never won in. And that one's going back to 2008, I think. So, yeah. Once every decade, not too, too bad, but <laughs> I'm, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I'm just you, kidding. You hope to be better than the average, but <laughs> I haven't managed to do it yet. Yeah. Um, what are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? The best part is, you know, it's mostly a way for me to keep in contact with friends. You know, that that's this group that we've been playing since 2000. I was the, the youngest person in the league, but like I grew up with all those guys. They're all about 10, 15 years older than me. And, um, you know, like I'm still friends with all of them. I, I see them, you know, maybe once a year now because everybody lives around the country, but it's, it's a great way to keep in touch. My, my league with my college friends, you know, our, we have our college newspaper team that that's the one we've been playing since like 2008 or 2009. That, that might also be the worst part uh, is being commissioner of that specific league. Mm-hmm. And I think just being commissioner in general. Heavy uh, the crown. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Especially like if it's just a redraft, normal redraft league, it's very easy, but even mm-hmm. then you'll still get some drama. Uh, we had a commissioner quit in the middle of the season once. Um, but that, that one with my college friends is, we've got so many rules and it's a bunch of it's a there's only one lawyer in the league but everybody thinks they're a lawyer the way they try to like find loopholes in the rule and so we finally decided this year that uh the commissioner myself uh don't only has to pay 80 percent of the league entry fee because of what a uh what a disaster so everybody else has to pay like 1.5 percent extra just for how difficult they all are that totally makes sense because it's so much time. I actually have never been a commissioner, but I can only imagine the time that is spent adjudicating silly uh, matters. <laughs> just because like there's there's always one guy in this league who's just always trying to like find the one tiny little <laughs> loophole to get a small. And it's like, man, we have like four rules named after him at this point. <laughs> we have a constitution and everything. That is incredible. All right. Um, Jumping into actual football stuff, we are going to kick it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is, of course, a Mean Girls reference. I know I don't have to tell you that. But um, as fantasy managers, it is so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So we are going to run through five players, and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your burn book. So the first player is Justin Fields. So we were obviously talking about Fields as a potential top 12 guy. I was literally waffling about if I should start Fields or Stafford in one league, which obviously I started Stafford and I feel good about that. But um, we're talking about him having that top 12 potential when he had the opportunity to start tallied just 3.92 fantasy points in a pretty ugly start against the Browns, which obviously not near, not even, not what you want, but certainly not all his fault. I mean, that offensive line left him so, so exposed. It was painful to watch like Miles Garrett and Javian Clowney just absolutely feast on that line. So, but in the end, you know, that doesn't really matter whose fault it is in terms of fantasy production. So it's one bad start enough to land fields in your burn book for now. I mean, just to highlight how bad he was, I started him in a two QB league where I also had to start Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill was my highest scoring quarterback because he got in the end zone. Um, So I did not win this week. I'm not ready to write him off. I mean, you look around Mm -hmm. the league at the rookie quarterbacks. They've all struggled to varying degrees and by varying degrees. I mean, they've all struggled a lot, really. Um, So 
I'm willing to give him some time to figure things out. The problem is I just don't have a lot of confidence in the team around him and specifically Matt Nagy's offense because the most success that that team has ever had with Matt Nagy as the head coach came in the middle part of the 2018 season when Mitchell Trubisky really looked like he was taking a step forward. And a big part of that was, you know, the fact that I think he had a hundred yard rushing game. He had a couple of long runs. He ended up rushing for like 500 yards that season. And he injured his shoulder like week 10 to week 12 around that range. And he just kind of stopped running. They stopped using him that way. And they never really used him like that again, consistently when Mitchell Trubisky, he ran a 40 yard dash at the same time as Deshaun Watson. Like he's legitimately a very good athlete for a quarterback. And Justin Fields is one of the best athletes at the quarterback position that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do anything to take advantage of those skills. So I just, I don't know if it's just Matt Nagy doesn't really believe in that as a, an offensive philosophy, but this team's not going to work unless he buys into that. Um, so I'm stashing fields. Hopefully he plays better against the Lions, and then you can feel better about him. But I'm optimist, or pessimistic about the Bears in general right now. I agree. I think Matt Nagy belongs in my burn bug and not Justin yes. Fields at this point. 100%. Yeah, Matt Nagy. <laughs> Not Allen Robinson, not David Montgomery, not Justin Fields, all the guys who burned us last week. It's it's Matt Nagy's fault. 100%. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Marquise Brown. So Brown came out of the gate hot. Three huge drops, though, in the first half of the game yesterday. Definitely not what you want to see. Are you worried about the drops moving forward? Um, worried about Hollywood being in the doghouse with Harbaugh? Or do you think this is kind of just a blip? The only time I ever worry about drops is if it seems like the team is going to worry about the drops. And I don't really think that'll be the case here because one, they just don't have a lot of options. You know, maybe if Rashad Bateman was healthy, I'd be worried about that, but it sounds like Bateman's still at least a few weeks away. Um, so man, if Brown, I mean, he dropped probably 150 yards and at least two, maybe three touchdowns worth yeah. of production yesterday, which is Terrible for Lamar Jackson. That's the reason the Lions were able to stay in that game. Uh, and if it wasn't for that, we'd be talking about Marquise Brown in the same uh, breath that we're talking about Mike Williams Absolutely. as one of the true breakout candidates this season. So I, I don't think drops really matter in terms of predictiveness. So <laughs> I'm totally willing to view Marquise Brown as a top 30 wide receiver rest of season right now. All right. Fair enough. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Julio Jones. So he's had one good game so far, yeah. but hasn't scored a touchdown, finished with just six points and half PPR this week. He gets the Jets and the Jaguars next. So like you, you are starting him. Yes. Um, so the, I want to say the Jets have looked surprisingly good on defense, but not good enough that you're sitting anyone like Julio, but yeah. is Jones flirting with that burn book potential given what we've grown to expect from him in the past? Or do you think that this whole Titans offense kind of turns it around? I'm such a Julio guy. <laughs> like I, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally in the tank for Julio. I, I will always believe he's one of the best wide receivers in football. And I don't know the, the, the problem yesterday wasn't so much that he wasn't good. He got four targets for 47 yards and he only played 50% of the snaps from is the 50% of the snaps and why that happened. He didn't play a single snap in the fourth quarter. And after the game, Mike Vrabel said it was, you know, uh, he wasn't hurt. It was just a load management thing. And uh, then today he said, well, he tightened up. That's, that seems more 
like an honest answer. I don't think it's fully honest. I would guess that Julio Jones is dealing with some kind of injury and that explains it. And Mike Grable just wants to play coy. So that's the bigger concern for me. I think this passing game, Julio's too good. Ryan Tannehill's too good for them not to figure it out. But I worry that he's not healthy right now. So we'll see how this week in practice goes. If Julio Jones is healthy, I will be starting him probably as a top 15 to 20 wide receiver. I just want to see him be okay. And AJ Brown too. Hopefully his hamstring's fine. I was just going to say with Brown's health kind of also questionable for sure. You got to think that Julio's due for a good game here, Um, especially with the good matchup. So hopefully that is not indicative of the rest of the season. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about, actually next two guys we're going to talk about are just guys that it's painful to me because I I feel like I pumped them up a lot in the Mm -hmm. preseason. So first guy is Jonathan Taylor has not scored a touchdown yet. And this was a pretty good matchup for him. Given where most people draft drafted JT, you know, in the first round, do you think he deserves to be in people's burn books right now? Or do you think that he kind of turns it around? Uh, this is one of those games where I just don't know if you can take anything from it because Carson Wentz was so clearly limited. Um, there were what three or four different situations where he just literally threw the ball in the ground, uh, rather than trying, rather than taking a sack or trying to get away from pressure. Uh, the problem is he was probably 50, 60% yesterday, and he's going to try to play through this moving forward. And I don't know if, uh, he's ever going to get fully healthy. So I think you have to have questions about how good this Colts offense can be. In addition to the fact that Quentin Nelson was carted off yesterday, I've had offense line issues. Um, I am skeptical of the Jonathan Taylor type of running back. I'm always lower than the, the consensus on Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, even lower down, you know, Damian Harris, guys like that, guys who just don't really catch passes. And uh, Taylor got six in the first week. He only has four targets in the two games since. And that's the concern for me is that he's, too game script dependent to truly be an elite fantasy running back, especially if Carson Wentz isn't going to be 100% and the blocking is not, not going to be there. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned, but more, I, I had him as a second round pick anyway. So like I was taking Najee Harris over him this season anyway. So I'm probably, my expectations are less, I'm less disappointed in Jonathan Taylor so far than most people are but I think you still have to view him as a must-start fantasy running back moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just, it stinks as a manager with him on a couple teams uh, where, you know, you see Naheem Hines outscoring him. um, And you don't know if that's kind of like, that's just how it's going to be because the Colts offense is just kind of a little dysfunctional right now. So Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. All right, the final guy that we were going to talk about in our burn book segment is Kyle Pitts. So I don't know where you stood on the Kyle Pitts spectrum because this is like a big thing in the fantasy Twitter community. But yeah, big yikes. Uh, He's going as high as, you know, tight end four in drafts. uh, Hasn't finished higher than tight end nine in any game this year. Were we totally wrong? I mean, I say we because I I don't even know how you stood on this, but Mm. were we collectively wrong? Yeah, were we collectively wrong about Pitts and first-year tight ends performing, even if they are generational talents? Um, Does he kind of belong in our burn books right now, or what is? Or do you think it's maybe more of just a symptom of this Falcons offense? Yes, I think it's a symptom of the Falcons offense, Matt Ryan. I mean, you see it with Calvin Ridley, where Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley last year led the NFL in air yards 
uh, in 15 games, and he had nearly 300 more than DK Metcalf, who was second. The, the, they were so aggressive in targeting Calvin Ridley, and it wasn't just because Julio Jones was there. There were games when Julio Jones missed, and Calvin Ridley, they were throwing just as much to him. So I don't know if it's that, but Matt Ryan doesn't look good. The offense doesn't look as aggressive. I think he has the second lowest intended air yards per target this season. It's like 4.2 yards. Matt Ryan does. So I think there's a problem with the offense. Kyle Pitts is still running about 75% of their routes, still playing about 75 to 80% of their snaps every game. I think if the offense gets going, uh, Kyle Pitts will. And as far as where I was on him coming into the season, uh, you know how like when you think of this is going to be a weird analogy, so just stay with me. You know how when you think of like uh, uh, an atom, the image you have in your head is just like one thing in the middle and then a bunch of things orbiting it. The way it actually works is uh, electrons aren't don't exist in one place at any given time. They exist in a cloud and there's a probability of them existing in any one place, but they can be in every place at once. It's really weird, uh, but quantum physics is, is weird. Um, that's where I was on Kyle Pitts. I was I agreed with every single take about Kyle Pitts. I agreed that you don't want to target rookie tight ends. Rookie tight ends are almost never good. Evan Ingram was, I believe, the best fantasy rookie tight end of all time, and he had like 750 yards. So mm-hmm. it's just generally been a losing bet. On the other hand, if you're going to bet on an outlier, tight ends don't get drafted number four overall. Tight ends don't produce like what he did uh, in eight games with the University of Florida last season. It was like 110 yards per game, 12 touchdowns. It was ridiculous production. So yeah, I, I just, I could see every single angle of it and I agreed with all of them. And it was the kind of situation where the most likely outcome was Kyle Pitts wasn't going to live up to his draft price, but the, the chance of him hitting and hitting as high as he could was too great to pass up entirely. So in 13 leagues, I think I haven't been to two. I didn't think he was going to have this kind of season, but I knew he was capable of it. And mm-hmm. you need some exposure to that kind of player because that's how you win fantasy. You win with the guys who crush their, their value. So Pitts, I'm worried. He's tight end 13 in PPR scoring, despite mm-hmm. being such a major disappointment because tight end remains a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> and so at the very least, I don't think there's any chance you're going to pick up a tight end on waivers at any point this season who I feel more confident in, in than Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And I still think the upside is absolutely there if the, the Falcons offense can figure things out. Yeah, I just I hope we're not talking about him as the biggest bust of the year. Certainly, I do hope yeah. we can get this together. And yes, I love that on this podcast you went into quantum physics. That is <laughs> that is incredibly impressive. That's really that's the one thing I know about quantum physics. I love so that. Don't don't be too impressed. No, that is that is a great analogy. It totally made sense to me. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a segment we call Elite Entries. Today, I am going to look at three NFL Week 4 quarterback plays on prize picks. The first play I like is Ryan Tannehill under 245 and a half passing yards on the road against the Jets. So the Jets focal point of this terrible, terrible season has been Zach Wilson and the team's offensive line woes. Um, you know, got to feel for Mekhi Becton and Zach Wilson's blind side, but let's give credit where credit is due. The Jets defense has actually looked pretty good, held opposing passers to 217.3 yards per game so far. They faced the Titans this week who, yeah, they have a good offense and they looked just okay against the Colts last week. 
Tannehill completed 18 of 27 for 197 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. But with AJ Brown's health in jeopardy, I think there's a good chance that the team leans a little bit more on the run game and Tannehill goes under the 245 and a half passing yards. The next one I like is Jimmy Garoppolo over 245 and a half passing yards at home against the Seahawks. So this is a plush matchup for Garoppolo and the 49ers against a porous Seattle secondary. He is coming off of a much harder matchup on Sunday night against the Packers in which he threw for 257 yards and two touchdowns. He was obviously forced to lean a lot more on passing. He threw a season high 40 attempts just with all the injuries to the running back core. We've got, you know, Raheem Moster out for the season, Jermichael Hasty on IR, and Elijah Mitchell missed this game. Even if Mitchell returns for week four, I think that Garoppolo still has a really good chance to go under 245 and a half passing yards. I also like Trevor Lawrence under 249 and a half passing yards on the road against the Bengals. So since he's pass rush has actually looked quite good through three weeks. I know, act surprised, but This team is tied for the fourth most sacks, averaging 3.3 per game, which is a major improvement from their 2020 average of 1.1 per game. I think they will keep Lawrence on his toes on Thursday night. Lawrence hasn't thrown fewer than two picks in any game this season. This game will also be really low scoring. It has a point total of 46 as of Monday. So I don't see a ton of yards, ton of points being put up on either side. All right, so that is our elite entry for today, going with Ryan Tannehill under 245 and a half passing yards on the road against the Jets, Jimmy Garoppolo over 245 and a half passing yards at home against the Seahawks, and Trevor Lawrence under 249 and a half passing yards on the road against the Bengals. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks are markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you haven't created a PrizePix account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because PrizePix has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us keep it moving here on 21 Questions. Our next segment is called Full Send or That's Cap, which is sort of the opposite of the last one. I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise. And I want to know, are you sending it with this player or is that cap? So just to explain, um, full send is like a ski snowboard thing. Like you're going for it. You're sending it. um, You're like jumping off the cliff and whatever, full commitment. Um, And that's cap obviously means that's not true or it's kind of. I haven't been snowboarding in probably 16 years now. I really want to go again. Uh, I'm worried I'm going to die. Oh my God, you have to come. So I will actually- My hips my hips are so bad <laughs> that like, I'm just worried. I, I skateboarded a lot as a kid. And so I've got bad hips and I'm just worried I'm going to fall one time <laughs> and just like be done being a walker for the rest of my life. That's my big concern. No, no, no. You have to come. If you ever come out to Colorado, we can go snowboarding together. I am actually teaching skiing and snowboarding part-time okay. at Breckenridge this winter. So I'm super, oh, super nice. excited about that. So yeah, come I- Send it with me. <laughs> I had flights to, I had a flight to Denver that were scheduled for the day that Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks had announced they had COVID, which in my mind is the day COVID started. Yeah. So uh, I was going to go snowboarding in, in, uh, in Denver and then the world shut down. So uh, may, maybe, maybe next, maybe next winter. 
Awesome. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. Um, all, right. <laughs> all right. The first guy we're going to talk about is Sam Darnold. So my Carolina Panthers are three, and zero, as you know, and Darnold has finished as QB 17, QB 13, and he did really well this week. He's got a soft schedule coming up with Dallas, Philly, Minnesota, the Giants and the Falcons on deck. Are you sending it on him as a streamable QB one in the next few weeks? Or do you think that's cap? I actually had him ranked like 14th this week. He finished eighth and six point per passing touchdown league. The the two rushing touchdowns helped. I don't think you can count on that, but uh, he could have had two passing touchdowns very easily in that game as well. So yeah, I buy him as a, a streamable quarterback. I think he's in the Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, maybe Daniel Jones range, where mm-hmm. if they have a good matchup, I think, they have the skills to take advantage of, especially I, I just really like the Carolina Panthers offense and, and the skill position players they have. I, I am as much as I'm in the tank for Julio Jones, I might be even more with DJ Moore Cause I <laughs> I've, I, I think he's one of the, I don't know, eight most talented wide receivers in the NFL. And if Darnold can keep playing like this, I think DJ Moore is going to continue to be one of the best fantasy wide receivers. I am so hype about DJ Moore breakout season. I mean, yes. obviously he's been productive in the last few years, but it was like he just got this rap of being like unpredictable and yeah. kind of a fantasy nightmare. He was my no touchdown nightmare last yeah. season. He literally was like 25 points or two points type guy. And it was very frustrating. So love to see him perform well. I'm, I've actually yeah. just been really surprised. That hasn't been as surprising. I've been really surprised with how like, MIA uh, a Robbie Anderson has been for from a fantasy perspective. But. Yeah, he, he seems to be back in the I mean, everybody was like, oh, Robbie Anderson and, and Sam Darnold played <laughs> together with the Jets. This is going to be great. They know each other. Well, it, it turns out he's playing like they're using him like they used him when he was with the Jets, which <laughs> makes him a boomer bust like flex option. Yeah, which is disappointing. Definitely, definitely disappointing. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Trey Sermon. What a roller coaster this has been. All right. Benched in week one, fumbles and gets concussed on his first NFL carry in week two. Then with just like the crazy attrition in the backfield, he gets the start in week three, posts uh, 12 touches for 33 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Are you going full send on Sermon season or is it cap once Elijah Mitchell is healthy? I mean, we'll see what happens in week four. I think he's got, if Elijah Mitchell doesn't play in week four, I think Trey Sermon has one more chance to prove himself. And he has another game like this. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell is going to get that starting job back. He absolutely, Trey Sermon has the opportunity to take this job and run with it. We know how talented he is. We know that Kyle Shanahan really liked him coming into the season. What happened between the draft and week one, I don't think we'll ever really know, but (laughs) Um, I wish we had insight in that, in, into that when we were doing drafts, right? There's so many. This is something that I've noticed over the last couple of seasons and really 2020 and 2021 to go off on a slight tangent again, is that the NFL changed media policies last season with because of COVID. Media members weren't allowed to come into contact with players. They had limited practice, uh, you know, viewing opportunities. And a lot of teams just made that stuff permanent. And so there have been a lot of limitations on what reporters are or aren't allowed to report. There's a lot of limitations on what they're allowed to see. Like there are some teams who you can't even report who goes in what order during team individual drills, like that kind of stuff. They, they, they have sanctions on what you're allowed to report and still have access. And so I think that's what we're seeing, you know, with, 
you know, Miles Gaskin in the preseason when he didn't start the first game. That was something that I just think we we didn't have an opportunity to know because the reporters couldn't tell us. So I think that's probably what happened with San Francisco. I'll say if Trey Sermon has a big game in week four, he can be a really good fantasy option. If not, I would guess they're going to go right back to Elijah Mitchell whenever he's healthy. Yeah, I was actually pretty concerned or maybe surprised to see the usage of Kyle Eustrak. Um, yeah. Just like that, to me, kind of communicated how iffy Kyle Shanahan is on leaning on Sermon kind of long term. So yep. I am not sending it fully on him, though I did bench uh, Mike Davis this week for him. So I, that's the first time I've obviously been able to start him. Hopefully it might have worked. Yeah, hopefully we will see him. Yeah, I think it was like a one point difference, to be honest, even though, of course, I waffled over this decision for like a day. I've got a lot of concerns about Mike Davis. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Chubba Hubbard. So crazy, unfortunate injury to CMC, which I saw from my phone. I was like in the mountains and I'm just like looking at this whole thing unfold very scary though uh i guess there's maybe a little more optimism because he didn't go on ir so that kind of suggests the panthers think he would will return i guess earlier than three weeks but hubbard is still probably going to be the top waiver target he's pretty effective 11 rushes for 52 yards and caught three of five targets for 27 yards are you going full send on him i.e. spending all your fab to get him, or is that a little cap for a one to two week rental? Yeah, I don't know if I would blow all of my fab on him. I, I wasn't doing that on Elijah Mitchell either, but Hubbard is more the type of player who I would be willing to do that rather than Mitchell because we know the Panthers, you know, based on what they did with Mike Davis last season, they want to just use one guy primarily, and they're going to get him involved in the passing game, and they're going to use him heavily in both facets of the game. And so that's the kind of player I'm looking for on waivers is a guy who can legitimately become a must start option. I think it's a much narrower path for someone like Elijah Mitchell, because he's not going to have a big passing game load. You know, Hubbard played 38 of 52 snaps after the first quarter. Royce Freeman played just 10. So I think that's a pretty good sign. Um, And I think he could go from, you know, we saw it with Mike Davis last year. He was a perceived replacement level player to a must-start fantasy option in this offense. I think Shaba Hubbard could absolutely make that kind of uh, jump, and he'll probably be a top 20 running back for me this week in the rankings. So I'm sending that. That's the term, right? Yes. Okay. What was, as a follow-up, what would your fab recommendation be in terms of like percentage? I would say probably 40% of mm-hmm. my remaining fab for him. But if I'm truly desperate, like if there's leagues where I'm 0-3, uh, I might be willing to go higher than that. Cause I just need to get wins. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough. Cause I do write a waiver column too. And I have to like give one statement at the end. And I'm always like, it depends though. <laughs> like I need yeah. to see the roster, but um, yeah, I think I would feel comfortable with like 30 to 40% if you're, if you really need him. Otherwise yeah. I think you can probably stay away from him if you're in a really good spot, but yeah, like if our- you're not going to start him in the next couple of weeks, like there's no buys. So if you're, right. if you're, if you have two running backs, you feel confident in, he's not a super high priority. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Odell Beckham. So he made his season debut this weekend and looked really good. Five catches yeah. on nine targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. And he tacked on 10 rushing yards with Jarvis Landry out on IR and Beckham looking this good. Are you going full send on him rest of season? Yeah. 
Yeah, full send. He played 47 of 57 snaps before the fourth quarter. They they barely played him in the fourth because they were winning by so much. Um, I'm very impressed with how Odell Beckham played because I thought he was going to be limited in his first game back. And the fact that he wasn't, the fact that he played his full role, the fact that he was clearly the number one option in that offense uh, in the passing game, I, I think he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver moving forward, which I'm I'm surprised at. I am very bummed personally that I don't have any exposure to him. And that wasn't necessarily intentional. It just kind of like ended up being that way. So it kind of was for me. (laughs) I was reading a lot of camp reports and I kept seeing like, oh, don't expect him to play a normal role in in September Mm -hmm. or at least for the first few weeks. And so I wasn't surprised at all that he was inactive the first two weeks. I had him uh, going into week one before he knew he was going to be inactive. I had him like 55th Mm -hmm. at wide receiver. So I was fading him a little bit, but yeah, now I have a little bit of FOMO. Fair enough. All right. The last guy, I don't think anyone has FOMO about him because he's probably widely available, but it's going to be Dawson Knox. He has scored in two straight games. Uh, Is he a viable streamer in this high upside Bills offense? Or do you think that's cap? Especially just like considering how crazy the tight end landscape is, especially like you just mentioned, like it's, it's really so wide open after a certain mm-hmm. point. So do you, do you think he is a viable streamer? He plays tight end <laughs> and he's active for NFL games. He has a heartbeat. So yeah, he can be a stream, a viable streaming option because all he has to do is catch a ball at the two yard line and fall <laughs> forward. And that's really all it takes to be a top 12 tight end most weeks. And so um, he plays an awesome offense. Josh Allen answered my questions about whether the first two weeks were a, were a sign of things to come. And yeah, I think Dawson Knox is going to be in the 15 to 20 range at tight end. And if you don't have a good one, I've got started David Njoku last week that blew up in my face. And then I started somebody terrible who didn't do anything this week. So yeah, I might be interested in picking up David uh, Dawson Knox. Awesome. All right. Chris, we have eight more rapid fire questions in the right. Name one player you just can't quit. Probably DJ Moore or Julio Jones. Maybe more Julio Jones now because you've had to make more excuses for him the last year and a half. But I I just I've seen no reason to think he's taken a step back as far as his ability and talents go, even though the fact that he's 32 years old. And so as long as Julio Jones is healthy, it, it takes a lot of energy. It, it takes a lot of effort for me not to rank him as a top 12 wide receiver, just as a reflex. I just think he's absolutely one of the like three or four most gifted players to ever play the position. And so I'm going to believe in him as long as he, as long as he's around. I love that. Well, I am very optimistic on him moving forward. Yeah. All right. You told me that you are a, or at least you used to be a Dolphins fan. So some of these yeah. questions are going to be Dolphins themed. Okay. Predict when the Dolphins will win their next Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I do have a Dolphins jersey behind me. It's a, it's, <laughs> you can't see it, but it's a Chris Chambers. Uh, so throwback to, <laughs> to the mid 2000s Dolphins. And, um, you know, I grew up a Dolphins fan. Obviously, they're the Dolphins, and so I've, I've lost a lot of the rooting interest for them. I can't imagine uh, being emotionally invested in that team uh, at this point, but it, it hangs off me like a, like, a, like a phantom limb, you know? So I will say the Dolphins will win their next Super Bowl 12 years from now. I can't tell if that's too optimistic or not optimistic enough. 
That is the longest anyone has given me in terms of well, from what, but fair enough. I, I, I yeah. get the struggles. <laughs> um, I let, and I appreciate your honesty, of course. Um, give us one Dolphins player you think is underrated for fantasy. Will Fuller. He's, he's another guy that I, I will always make excuses for. He left yesterday's game. I think it was just a cramp, but man, I, I love guys who get hurt is the thing. I love like the quote unquote injury prone guys. And so, uh, cause I just, I don't think we actually are as good at predicting injuries as we think we are. Totally. Um, so I'll always advocate in, in baseball. Giancarlo Stanton has been my, my guy for years. Will Fuller, Julio Jones. And, um, every time they get hurt, I feel like an idiot. And Will Fuller left yesterday's game with, I believe it was just cramps. That's what it looked like. He yeah. should have scored a touchdown. There was a defensive pass interference that didn't get called in the end zone. Absolutely blown call. I just think he's a really, really, really good player. I think people have forgotten that he was wide receiver eight before his suspension last season. He was 0.2 points in PPR behind AJ Brown and points per game right now with uh, Jacoby Brissett and that offensive line. I don't think his upside is quite that high, but if this offense figures it out, if Tua gets healthy and they can figure out how to protect him, I do think Will Fuller has top 20 upside. So I think he's the most underrated player on that offense. I was very nervous when I saw him down in the end zone, just sitting there, but happy to see him walk yeah. off. And it didn't look like he was like limping or anything. So no. hopefully it is a cramp type situation yeah. and not serious. All right. Um, was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? No, it was against Denver in the, in the playoff game. If that Denver defensive back just knocks the ball down rather than, I don't even remember. I, he was, it was a, the big play to win the game. And if that guy just knocks it down, he just like fell down three feet short of the ball. If he just knocks it down. Joe Flacco probably loses $80 million in career earnings. And, and that discussion never has to happen. He is, uh, he was perfectly fine. <laughs> it is crazy how pivotal little like plays and yeah. that's not a little play, but like just a singular play can just, be yeah, random the entire narrative on a oh, yeah. player. So for sure. All right. Will any Dolphins player finish in the top five at their respective position for fantasy? Nah. Mike Gusecki might have the best chance just because of how bad tight end is, but I, I have no confidence in that actually happening. Yeah. He uh, bageled in the first week, 5.6 yeah. fantasy points, I think, in half PPR in week two. And then he, I think he had like eight targets yesterday, but it was, he was well on. I think it might have been like 12, actually. Oh, he was okay. well on his way to a bad game yesterday. Yeah. Because uh, I think he had two targets heading into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And then in the fourth quarter in overtime, Jacoby Brissett just threw it to him over and over. He had 12 targets, 10 catches, 86 yards. He had a um, huge first down catch, I feel like, yeah. that extended the game. Yeah, and so he, I, I, I don't have any faith in him. <laughs> like he, He's in that streaming tight end discussion for me, maybe higher than Dawson Knox, but not much. Aside from Chubba Hubbard, who do you think managers should prioritize on the waiver wire this week? Emmanuel Sanders. If, uh, if you've subscribed to the Fantasy Football Today newsletter, which you should, I write it eight times a week. It's my primary job at this point. Um, I've been advocating for Emmanuel Sanders since the preseason and through the first two games when he didn't do all that much. And it was because Josh Allen just flat out missed him on a couple of really makeable big plays. And if Josh Allen had been a little more accurate the first two games of the season, well, we saw in week three when Josh Allen played better, Emmanuel Sanders had a big game. I think if you believe in Josh Allen moving forward, you should have Emmanuel Sanders on your roster. And he's available in about 40% of CBS fantasy leagues. So 
I would guess Yahoo and ESPN, it's even higher because they usually have a, a lower roster rate. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely under 50% rostered in Yahoo. So he is headlining my waiver wire column. Yeah, I, I, I think that the way they've used him so far down the field, he's been really still really good the last couple of years. He ruptured his Achilles like yeah. three or four years ago, and he still played at a really high level. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is uh, a must roster player. Love that. Give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Would it be cheating to say Christian McCaffrey? We're talking about players who haven't done it yet. Uh, I'll say Jalen Waddle. Okay. Not to not to actually be a Dolphins homer or to to paint myself as that, but no, I love what I've seen from him. So they well. clearly love him. Yeah, I mean, yet yesterday he, you know, I, I think there were two or three situations where you can say. Najee Harris, the way he was used in the passing game was a symptom of the Steelers' dysfunction as much as a sign of how good he is. And I think you can say the same thing about Jalen Waddle yesterday. They just can't really move the ball in chunks, so they have to use Jalen Waddle's playmaking with the ball in his hands. But he's a really good playmaker with the ball in his hands. I think once that offense figures things out, I mean, the breakout might come this year Mm -hmm. if, if Tua gets healthy and they figure things out. But he is someone I feel very confident in moving forward. I love that. I am all over Jalen Waddle. All right. We have two nice. more questions. How many attempts do you think it would take you to make an extra point? <laughs> uh, I've tried several times in my life. It's never happened. That's super um, cool. I just cannot figure out the, the mechanics of it, but I think like 10, Okay, I could get it. Cause I'm, I'm actually, I'm a pretty good punter. I okay. can probably punt the ball about 40 yards uh, at max. I'm not going to, you know, say every time. So I, I feel confident that I could get it uh, through the uprights. It would just, it's more about the form and the technique. I think it doesn't have to look pretty for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to wobble just barely over that bar. <laughs> well, I definitely could not make that. You could give me 100 tries and incentivize <laughs> me saying there's a million dollars. If I make that, I don't think I would. So very impressive. All right. The final question is if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? Uh, so one that I've been saying a lot since the preseason, I don't know if you've watched Ted Lasso, but it's fast become one of my favorite shows. And one of the, one of the key things that I love from that show is, um, you know, one of his players messes up and he tells him, you know what the, you know what the happiest animal is? It's a goldfish. There's a, a 10 second memory, be a goldfish. That, that is, I think, you know, we were, we were doing the burn book section earlier. And one thing that made me think is like, you should really never do that. You should never like just say, I will never draft that player again. I will never have that guy on my team because situations change and context is so important for fantasy football. And so if a player who has disappointed, like Joe Mixon this season, disappointed a lot of people the first four years of his career, I never had him on any of my teams. I think Adam had him won because of a rookie draft. But other than that, I never really had him because I didn't buy this idea that he was such an incredible talent that he was going to overcome the bad situation he was in. I think the situation's a lot better. So I have a lot of Joe Mixon this year. You should never, I mean, like there are, I will never begrudge someone saying like, I'll never draft Joe Mixon specifically or, or Tyreek Hill or anyone who, you know, they, they find object, objectionable as a person off the field. I, that, that makes perfect sense. But as far as you're just talking about production in the NFL and fantasy, you should never say, I will never take a player. You should always have an open mind and, 
take a, a, approach each player every week and every season with an open mind and say, you know, this is a fresh start. Let's look at the situation as objectively as possible. Let's look at the player and see what their chances are of producing. Because if you're too emotional about it and you say, I'll never draft that player again, you're going to miss out on some guys. That is excellent advice for fantasy football in a lot of facets of life, I think, um, for sure. All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Chris Towers. Chris, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season as if they don't already know. Yeah, CBS Sports, uh, cbssports.com slash fantasy. Uh, you'll, you'll find my writing there. All throughout the week, my rankings are on the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today newsletter, which you can find at cbssports.com slash newsletters. That's pretty much where you'll find the majority of my writing. Um, eight times a week, twice on Wednesday, twice on Sunday, not on Saturday. I do need a day off. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a really good product. I think you'll really like it. So that would be the, the main, if you like me at all, that would be the subscribing to that would be the main way to show it. Uh, otherwise, at CTowerCBS on Twitter, I tweet entirely too much sometimes about fantasy football often about star wars or taylor swift or <laughs> whatever else is on my mind at that moment that is pretty much what my twitter feed is like very stream of consciousness but i think it's great um as a reminder sean kerner and chris Raybon are here on the fantasy flags every monday wednesday and friday giving you guys all the dfs waiver wire rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues i will be back this thursday and every thursday from now on with my mail mailbag episodes speaking of which you should email any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com thank you again for listening please rate and review our show on apple podcasts down Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Price Picks. Peace out, y'all.